How D&D Villains Are Made Hi everyone, All Things D&D is back with two stories about villains. Creating interesting villains can be challenging. Villains need a few things to make them good. Well, bad. A purpose or motivation for their villainy, and a reason the players need to interact with said villain. Not every villain needs to be a world-ending being from another realm. Sometimes it can be as simple as a rival potion vendor. Listen to these two stories that highlight true villainy and well-executed big bads. I'm a relatively new DM with a party of three new players, with about two sessions of D&D experience between them. They rolled a tiefling bard, gnome ranger, and a half-elf warlock. The campaign has been a road trip across homebrew world collecting magic MacGuffins, quite efficiently slaughtering anything I throw at them, so no real recurring villains so far. Resting in town, party sees a noble having argument with their friend. Says he hired her weeks ago to get rid of a ghost, and she still hasn't done it. To be fair, she's been dead the whole time, got resurrected an hour ago and is still pretty out of it. Party strikes up a conversation with him, offers to get rid of the ghost instead. Noble looks down his nose at them the whole time, refers to them as you people. Party, especially Barbarian, don't like his attitude, but agree to work for him anyway. Run a fairly standard haunted house adventure. Animated armor, furniture that moves, appearances of a ghost who repeatedly tells the party to leave. They reach his sanctum at the top of the house. Plot twist, he's a wizard who bound his spirit to an object in the house after a murder attempt. He still owns the house, has the title deed and everything. The noble wants him gone so he can claim the house instead. Party persuades the wizard's spirit to give them the deed and let them live downstairs provided they leave his sanctum alone. They wait until the noble shows up in the morning, flaunt the title deed, and kick him out of their new property for being such a jerk. They then decide to start a potion shop to supplement their adventuring income. This place was only meant to be a stop over town. Alright, well, guess they're based here now. Start rolling more NPCs to populate the place. Use a random table of jobs to decide what everyone does. Decide I'll roll for the noble too. 37. Potion Seller Oh snap, we have our villain. Scrappy band of low-level adventurers quickly find the potion market in nearby towns is absolutely dominated by this snooty prick they hate. Barbarian steps up. Guys, running this is going to be expensive, but I have an idea. Talks to local orphanage about their work experience and apprenticeship program. Talks to Mayor about the good work they're doing helping these kids, and how they should get a tax break. Rolls so freaking well the Mayor not only grants it, but throws a huge gala, giving them a lot of publicity. Ranger nods approvingly. My turn. Buys potions from rival business. Heads to busiest part of town and proceeds to fake a seizure, with an empty bottle, prominently showing rival business logo in her hand. Barbarian arrives and laments her choice in potions, with great histrionics, before carrying her lifeless body away. Days pass. Rival Potions loses customers in droves. Party seems satisfied with their new market share and free potions. Get back to adventuring. The party is fighting a clan of assassins several sessions later. Barbarian decides he wants to keep the skull from one of them after burning their flesh off. Yay hellish rebuke. Takes the whole skeleton for some reason. Laughs. Hey DM, how easy is it to get into that guy's potion workshop? Some tense rolling later, Rival Business takes another publicity hit, after word gets around workers found human remains in a potion vat. Party continues adventuring. Barbarian uses his downtime to continue his personal campaign of psychological warfare and corporate sabotage. Hires three hobos, the players, to burn down Rival's mansion. Pays them way too much. They get bombed on the most expensive whiskey they can buy, and instead burns sacks of manure in the foyer. Arguably the best roleplay of the campaign to that point. Fast forward several sessions. Warlock attempts to teleport the group home with a magical item late at night. Roll isn't great. They end up in the nearest potion shop instead. 
the rival's warehouse, proceed to steal anything they can and set two of his vats on fire, escape without detection, publicly offer their condolences to rival over this freak accident, offer to hire any of his staff who are temporarily out of work while he rebuilds, use this boost in public relations and access to his workers to expand their customer base and steal potion recipes respectively. As Rival starts to rebuild, goad him into a diversity hire PR stunt by very publicly employing their friend. A shifter, vilified minority group. He hires the three hobos, who the party have already paid off to cause as much trouble in his factory as possible. On Barb's suggestion, party further messes with his workforce by secretly using some of their funds to increase access to illegal drugs near his factory. Watch in horror as great role after great role lets them turn part of their own city into a drug-addicted, crime-ridden ghetto. Turns out the real villain was the friends we made along the way. I guess you could argue that the players may have been a bit more evil than the noble, but that's for you to decide. This next one is going to really make you question who the real villain is. I had a nice long-term group, which all of us were good at D&D, and swapped who was DM every few sessions, and ran each other's worlds we came up with. One day I told them I have a new system I like, Fireborn, and wanted to try a campaign. The next DM up says he'd read it and run it. If you haven't played Fireborn, you play a dragon in the past, and it's effectively reincarnation in the modern future. You adventure in both timelines, finding things you made and hoarded, or found and hoarded in the future, after adventuring as your draconic self. And your ancient dragon self, if it dies, comes back after a random number of years later. We're playing a brood of dragons, all siblings, and I'm lightly corrupted. Through the campaign, effectively I'm neutral, with slightly dark tendencies. You know, like we can't cross the acid mode, and this evil person's almost hurricane around his keep prevents us from flying in as dragons. So I grapple my siblings, drown them in the acid, then drown myself. When we revive and come back, I tell one of my siblings, who can basically telekinetically move things, to use our bones in the moat, raise them up and make a bridge. I get scolded for not asking to do that first. But we've played together a long time. Things like this happening doesn't affect us as players or DMs. Enter a year later, of trading which we play, and I've collected almost all of a relic. I'm able to see snippets of possible futures, and told them it was a family heirloom. Normally you do a dragon era session, and then do a quest effectively as a human to find it. For some reason the last piece, I knew where it was, but no one caught on to that, until we got done with the dragon session where I hoarded it. As we come out of our sleep in the modern world, having dreamt about our dragon session, we're surrounded by corrupted creatures who weren't attacking us. Everyone is confused, and I start walking towards them pulling out the relic. Then one of the players says, Wait, that was out of order. How did you know it was there? I turned around and dropped a spell that prevented them from seeing in the present I was fully corrupted, and told them, I saw the time where our kind died off, and would have to inhabit only once, the forms of those who constantly killed our kind, and made armor and weapons from us. They would wipe us out, and I decided I would return the favor. The GM mentions my corruption being pulled into the relic. Everyone rolls to determine what's happening, and knows they have 30 years to stop what is happening. Almost everyone exclaims, Wait, you're the villain. Me, now grinning from ear to ear, tells them, You've helped make me quite strong. I came up with the world setting and the relic. Our DM came up with everything else, which meant I could fail, and he makes up a villain for us, or I could succeed. I let my non-corrupt siblings leave, as I tell them I don't want to hurt them, only the humans. Basically, whatever time they used, I had to develop items and raise an army. Whatever level they were, I would be. Enter one month before I would succeed, and they finally arrive. As they battle through my armies, I don't advance, and let them have time to rest, even if other parts of my army could see them. They finally get through, and to me. 
Enter five sessions, ignoring all other campaigns, of nothing but role-playing dialogue, for five hours a week. As they try to convince me to stop, have debates of morality and many other things, before they decide they have to stop me. I took down three of my siblings, each time being stunned for a round, asking them why they were making me do this, until finally I took a lethal wound. Small amount of RP ensues, with me asking them why they would side with the humans. The three others, without having discussed this, look at each other and nod, and one states, Our time has ended, and they kill themselves. About a year later, I had a major job that would move me out of state, and told them about it, and I only had a few sessions, so I wrapped up characters in each campaign into retirement. The day I was to leave was a session with the DM that did the Fireborn campaign, who brings out everyone's dead characters except for mine, and tells them, your characters revive, except for your corrupt sibling. There's nothing left of their draconic spirit. Looking at each other, you're all now slightly corrupt, out of character, two points each. One memory, a message from your sibling. Our kind shall not die, and I will not allow my family to die. Your characters, when they die now, lose one corruption. If you die with no corruption, your characters are gone. But with the corruption, you can sense where in the world corruption lies, to hunt it once more. What do you do? We had some hugs and laughs, and then I left for a new job. I do have to wonder, though, what are they doing now? A truly well-executed player-villain story. They managed to surprise the other players and it worked out very well. This is crazy hard to pull off, and I'm glad your table is this cool. Please let us know what you think and comment below. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel, All Things D&D. Our videos are posted every five days, so stay tuned for more amazing Dungeons & Dragons content.